We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Clint, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the fucker fly, man. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Whatever 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night, you know? Whatever. But no, I'm serious. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. I say right foot creep. Cheers, boys. 11 college football welcome back to college football uh after dark field of 12 george whitfield christian hackenberg and he's back trevor knight been doing his dad thing for the past uh couple weeks traveling all over the country tk good to see you back man good to be back guys um i wish it was under better circumstances (laughs) once again both of my alma maters go down on the same weekend I'm going to have a couple of these tonight to drown my sorrows, so don't mind me. Uh, Hack, our Nittany Lions bounce back. Solid win today. And honestly, if you're walking around Penn State's campus, they have two losses this season to the number two team in the country and the number three team in the country. Does it feel any better being able to say that? You know, I don't know if it does. One was a complete ass whooping and one was kind of uh, you got – you got beat by the fourth leg there in the fourth quarter at Ohio State. You ran a great, you ran a rate, you ran a great four by, but you know that that anchor couldn't hold it down for you. So, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think it kind of proves where they are. I think it's a good year for the program moving forward. Got some young guys showing some going, showing some stuff. So um, Cliff's getting off with his here this year and, and doing what he can do. So we'll see what happens in the bowl game. Maybe they get one going, get some good energy going into next year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, if you're just joining us coming off the TCU Texas game, good to see you ladies night fellas you're hitting the bar couples night in could be a couples night in we got you for the next hour a couple big things hit today out west a couple of big things took place down in the south we're gonna go through it uh but if you have something to sip on grab it per our tradition here at field of 12 after dark you do a little toast you do a little toast we're gonna start in new jersey with christian hackenberg first Kinda to echo what I was saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna go up to to State College. My man Sean Clifford, aka Van Wilder, aka Mister <laughs> Squeezing Every Ounce of Eligibility he Can, went ahead and and got me earlier this year, and then he got Trace McSorley today. He's the number one all time leading passer in Penn State football history. So here's to you, 14. Wow. Enjoy your night. Big 30 That's to nothing victory. There you go, my guy. Heck, where's he going tonight? What's the what's the spot if if we were to go to State College, what's kind of his itinerary going to look like? Well, so, yeah, yeah. So here's here's the hard part, man. I, I never got to do any of the bars when I was on campus because I got up out of there before I was 21. But, you know, if I was probably Sean Clifford, he's probably busting out a nice, you know, he's he's more of the CEO type, got the whole limitless NIL thing going. He might have a little something, something with some nice red wine, you know, maybe his girlfriend, maybe his family around, maybe a cigar on the back deck. He's probably got himself. Yeah. He's probably got himself a little pad up there. Now them kids making the money they are with the NIL. So I'm sure that's how, I mean, if I was Clifford, that's how I would do it. You know, so it's no more natty light. Natty light is out. No, I mean, I'm still drinking bush light now, so I can't really say that either, but, um, I'm sure Cliff's probably doing just fine, hanging out, keeping it low tonight. If I was, if I was to guess. Good for him. Good for him. Trevor. I'm going to have a toast. I I have a toast. I have a toast. Um, I'm going with a bell cow. And uh, it's a guy we've talked about a lot. That's got a target on his back that teams scheme up against every single week. And he just gets it done. Seven straight 100-plus yard rushing games for Blake Corum. He had a smooth 28 for 162 and a touchdown today against Nebraska. Seven straight 100-yard rushing games for Blake Corum. Their bell cow. Cheers to you, my friend. Wow. See you in New York. Mm. Mm. So – Let's get the collective one off for, for Coach Corso, the godfather, sir. We hope you're doing well. Coach Corso, godfather of college football. My toast goes to a young man I got to meet a couple years back. Redshirt freshman year. As we got to keep these bills paid over here. Redshirt freshman year at Indiana. And made some big splash plays at Indiana. Kind of got them on the map a little bit. Injuries held him back. Big transfer this offseason out west to Washington to link back up with his old offensive coordinator. And then he shot college football tonight, knocking out an Oregon team that was coming down the backstretch with so much gusto. Michael Penix and the Huskies tripping up Oregon 
and possibly weakening the Pac-12's case for the big dance, but that's not their problem. Tonight, it was go duck hunting, and they did as much. Penix and the Huskies. And if you're joining us, you can find us on all the apps, Field of 12. Field of 12 After Dark. You can get crazy merch, fieldof68.shop. That's our, our brother um, series is basketball, Field of 68. So you can go there for all your basketball and everything. And before we jump to that point, uh, a couple shout outs. Basketball coach Mike Winans at UW-Milwaukee. You and the coaching staff and the basketball team up there, you guys have been watching. You've let us know. They've been quoting you, Trevor. Um, uh, coach Bill McGillis, athletic director down here at University of San Diego. Big fans of Sean Miller and the basketball show. They also watch us. He's been quoting you, Hack. And in Boston, Catherine Long and Patrick Long and the Long family were big in Boston, fellas, just to pass that on to you, which is amazing. This is led by a quasi-Yankee fan, but the Red Sox fans are rolling. The Longs, glad you guys are rolling with us. There you go, and here we go. Tonight, first game, TCU, Texas. Trevor, your impression of watching this you know, really more of a defensive battle for two teams that have so much offensive prowess. Your takeaway here with how TCU went in, surprisingly kind of as an underdog, undefeated on the road this late in the season, and you're still a dog, which means the wise guys don't really believe in him. The committee is kind of forcing themselves to believe in him, but they pull it out. What was your biggest impression tonight? Yeah, you know, I, I think that um... – even myself, I was looking at TCU. The reason they're in the top four is because they're undefeated. The whole blemishless thing does get you some street credit. But I said number five, number six, number seven, and so on. If faced head-to-head -head with TCU, they would probably go down. I'm rethinking that tonight after their defensive performance against the Texas Longhorns and specifically their run defense. Texas has a fantastic stable of backs in Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Bijan Robinson, 12 carries, 29 yards, no touchdowns tonight. Roshan Johnson, five carries, 14 yards on the night, no touchdowns. That is a tip of the cap to everything that Sonny Dykes is doing down there in Fort Worth. They're not just slinging the ball around, which is the tree of coaching he comes from. They are also getting it done on the defensive side of the ball. And they're they're the real deal. They are the real deal as of today. 10-0, that's tough to get to. They got a couple games left on their schedule. But in my opinion, they will find themselves as, a, as the uh, champion of the Big 12, as well as a member of the college football playoff as it stands today. Wow. Hack. Mm. Are you as big a believer in in these guys as as uh, your Big Twelve brother? Yeah, I mean, I think to to Trevor's point, you know, the undefeated, unblemished thing is 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 massive, and I think he brings up a great point too about the defense. I thought both defenses came out smoking today. Um, you know, I I just think the maturity uh, of this TCU offense kind of was able to grind it out. And to use a phrase that you used earlier about Ohio State, George, I think they won without their fastball today. 
they were able to get some explosive, but not as explosives, but not as many um, on the offensive side of the ball. They made it count when they could. Um, Max Duggan, uh, I think he got sacked damn near seven, eight, nine times, got hit many, many more, um, stood in there, made some big throws. So um, yeah, I, I think that as long as they continue to win, they it's going to be damn near impossible to leave them out. Now, to Trevor's earlier point, I don't I don't know how well they match up and how well their game travels, right? But I think within their conference, they played probably the most unpredictable beast in Texas today at at Texas mm-hmm. and, and got it done. Um and, and and I think, you know, cruising down, who else who do they have left? They got Baylor. Baylor, Baylor and Iowa State. Baylor and Iowa State, right? And Baylor just got their teeth kicked in by Kansas State and Iowa State, you know, who knows? They're out there thumb wrestling with somebody, but um, you know, if they can continue to run this out, win the win the win the uh, win the conference championship, I don't see why they couldn't be considered and why they shouldn't be considered, and and I think it'd be really hard to leave them out. Uh, Trevor Hack makes a good point. Texas is so unpredictable, and when the committee carries this win in there for TCU, Alabama went in and played Texas right out of the gates, escaped by a with a one point win. Here comes TCU carrying the weight of the world and a conference on their shoulders, and they controlled this thing from start to finish. There really wasn't any drama in this, and the only touchdown that the Longhorns got was a fluke deal on defense, basically a shutout. And to add to that, the wildest stat to me, looking at this stat chart sent over by our producer Trevor Valise, third down tonight, TCU 7 out of 18, Texas 1 out of 13. They could not get through on third down. Will the committee keep this in mind? Because now TCU has gone up against Texas. So has another legacy team, and they actually did better. Will that boost them? I I think it can. Uh, I don't know if Texas is their big win, though. It's 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 one of those wins that, yeah, it's a top 20 matchup at the time. If Texas ends up winning the next two, which they should they're an eight and four team. So, you know, don't hang your hat on that one. What's going to be their their notch um, is if they can go blemishless and they can beat Kansas State twice in the same year. They beat them once. Now they got to play them again, most likely in the in the conference championship game. If they can beat a good Kansas State team twice, that's going to be their reason to get in. If, if they don't go blemishless, um, obviously they're not getting in. And if they lose in the, in the, uh, big 12 title game, no big 12 team is getting in, in my opinion, but Texas to me, yeah, they've played some teams tight, but that's not one to hang your hat on. That's a good point. Hack last point, And they brought this up in the broadcast. TCU has beaten four teams this year with backup quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Does that carry any weight or any drag on what they've done? No. No, I I don't think it does. You you can't control that. That's a variable that's out there. They've won games in a lot of different fashions. I think they've had four second half come from behind victories, meaning you go into halftime down, you make your halftime adjustments, you're still down in the third and fourth, third quarter, and then you come out and you win the game in the second half. Um, so they've won they've won games in a lot of different ways. I think the unique thing though to kind of steer this to the college football playoff, I think that's going to be a theme of the show tonight. 
is that how much weight we're, we're talking about wins and, and, and the optics of certain wins. Right. But I think at the end of the day, when you're, when you're talking about something as big as the college football playoffs, you have to look at the big picture and the big picture is conference championships. Right. So right. Uh, one thing Darian Rencher brought up on our, on our show earlier this week was, was the weight of a conference championship and how hard it is to go undefeated in a, in a season. And realistically speaking, there's a really good chance that we're going to have two undefeateds, one from the Big Ten, one from the SEC, right? But then there's going to be that looming kind of uh, kind of elephant in the room. And does the committee bring a second SEC team, whether that be a, a, a one loss? And this is if Georgia wins the SEC championship, right? Do they bring a mm-hmm. one loss Tennessee team or do they bring uh, an LSU team who's a two loss team from the West? Or does the conference championship actually carry weight this year? And are we going to see a one team from the SEC, one team from the Big Ten, and then conference championship, whether it be ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12, because let's not forget, even though Oregon went down, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, sure I'm getting ahead, but this could be a great segue for you here, George. Oregon mm-hmm. went down, but we got two other teams sitting down in L.A. that have won losses and are going to be able to control their own destiny here heading out for the rest of the season. So that's, I think, a really good conversation to have. Well, let's go into that conversation. Oregon did go down tonight, 37-34 to Washington. They hosted Washington at home. Uh, Just like Oregon, under new management, both teams, new coaching staff, both teams, new quarterbacks coming in from big Power 5 conferences. They clash. Oregon put up 592 yards of offense, uh, about 70 yards better than Washington. But Washington closed closed their case – in the last two drives of the game, Michael Penix first had to catch up. Then they went ahead with that last second field goal. Washington now eight and two trips up Oregon, which hack is right. It gives new life down here in Southern California for the two, uh, you know, blood rivals, Bruins and Trojans. They now have new life. When you watch that, Knicks had so much buzz I call it love. I don't want to call it hype because it, it like they had to bounce that that win that loss against Georgia was so brutal. It took us a month to look at them normal again. The black eye to go down, all the 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 healing to go back down, and now they've been a buzz saw, and then they ran up against a bigger buzz saw tonight. Hack, I'll go with you first. Mm-hmm. How much does this open it up for the two LA teams? Does this weaken the Pac-12? Because a lot of people saw Oregon as the most complete team out west, or is it just hey, it's business as usual? They'll sort it out down there in L.A., and then the Pac-12 still has a shot. Well, here's the one thing that I think we don't pay too much attention to on the East Coast is just because we don't get to see that conference all that much is, I mean, you're talking about a Washington team that's 8-2. and You're talking about an Oregon team that's 8-2. and You're talking about a Utah team that I believe is also sitting at 8-2 and right now. Am I wrong with that, or do they have three losses? Two. They lost to Florida and UCLA. Florida and UCLA, right? I think that here it comes. I'll, I'll find out. Go yeah. ahead. But anyway, it's a really good Oregon fo- or a really good Utah football team. And then you have a one-loss USC team and a one-loss UCLA team. That's a damn. That's a damn good conference. No matter how you cut the cut the cake, right? And and, and again, we talk about how hard it is to win, uh, win a lot of go undefeated, let alone win a lot of football games, win nine, ten football games. You know, you got you got a lot of people vying for it. And of course, I think they're all going to clash here towards the end of the year. But I think that con- that conference depth definitely constitutes a survival of the fittest. Whoever makes it out with the best record 
you got to give them a chance and you got to give it a, a really hard look at whoever wins this. And it's unfortunate that this Oregon team couldn't get it done because that would have been a hell of a story after getting their teeth kicked in by Georgia and then running through everything, you know, really unfortunate, but I think it opens it up to a broader conversation that the PAC 12 might be deeper than we think might be one right. of the deepest conferences in the country uh, in terms of competitive, complete football teams. And I think whoever comes out of that is definitely someone that the college football playoff committee should be looking at hard for 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 a consideration for one of those four spots trevor i'll give that to him the big Ten's three deep well i'm going to leave jurassic park alone uh, down the sec acc it, yeah like maybe a team big 12 they got some guys that can dance but i don't know how many of them can leave their own neighborhood and go dance other places pac 12 has got four teams to hacks point two in la Salt Lake City with the with the biker gang, and then the Shit, Ducks five. Who played it. May maybe five because they got Washington. beat by a team that I wasn't even going to put in there. In Eight five, and two. does this bolster the league some? Should a one loss, close loss, Ohio State, Michigan loser, or a T or a Tennessee that wants to also come in as a bridesmaid? Can this hold up the Pac 12s uh, this broaden its shoulders, I guess, when the case gets made late in December about who's going, who goes where. Yeah, I, I think Hack made a great point. Let let me paint this picture for you and and uh, and frame this up as a question to you guys, and you tell me how much the Pac-12 kind of weight holds. So let's say SEC champ, let's say say it's Georgia. Now this is obviously a scenario that, barring anything crazy that happens like LSU coming up and, and biting Georgia in the SEC title game. Let's take that out. SEC undefeated champ, uh, Georgia, they're in. Uh, let's say TCU goes undefeated, wins the Big 12, they're in. So there's two undefeateds that are in. So now you have basically four decisions for two spots, and you guys tell me who you're putting in. Well, there's also going to be an undefeated – there's going to be an undefeated Big Ten team. Correct. Yeah, Between yeah. Michigan or Ohio State. That's what, so that's, that's what an automatic. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's three spots. There's three spots uh, taken, and so pick one of these four. That's right. Um, one loss, Pac-12 champ, whether that's USC or UCLA. One loss, ACC champ. A one loss SEC team, which was would the be bridesmaid. Tennessee, or a one loss Big Ten team, which is the loser of Ohio State and Michigan. You got to pick one of them. It it sounds like you guys are saying the one loss Pac-12 champ should be in at this point because of what is what has gone on this season out out west, right? Not necessarily. I was giving credence to the fact that the Pac-12, like Hack was saying, they've got some gamers. It is not too deep, and then the rest are just kind of just rolling for the ride. But in your scenario. The Pac-12 and ACC champ coming out with one loss, and whoever loses this in the Big Ten is going to lose to the next best team in the country outside of Georgia. They're going to lose to the next best team in the country. And then if you if you threw the resumes away and said, "All right, meet in Dallas, meet in Nashville, meet in wherever," the Big Ten loser against any of those five Pac-12 teams, how many people would hop on the side of the Pac-12 teams, any of them? Or Tennessee being a bridesmaid, how many would hop with the, across the river with any of the Pac-12 teams? And I'm not even putting Clemson that, in this. But that's kind of what where I'm getting at, though, earlier, George, is like, 
we can sit there and probably dissect that, right? Like, and everyone's going to have their own flavor. You know what I mean? You're probably going to make an argument for somebody else, whereas I'd make an argument for somebody else. And Trevor would make an argument for somebody else based upon the optics. If you're just judging like optics, watching tape, who's better, who's not, like who's the best four teams, that's a really hard conversation. That's why I said I think college football is structured in a manner where we have certain milestones and we have certain badges of honor that come naturally throughout the season um, that should carry some weight. And that's where I said, does a conference championship really matter in this, in this stake? Right. Mm-hmm. Because in the past they've thrown it out with some one loss conference championship teams with uh, a, a runner up in the sec or something like that. Now, I don't think that there's been as much depth across the country in this circumstance as this, like in previous years, as there is this year. And that's where I think it's really unique with the PAC 12, having five really good football teams, the ACC is down. Right. But even the big 12 having a few really good football teams. I think it's, I think that badge of honor, that conference championship badge of honor with one loss is going to carry much more weight this year. And at the end of the day, if you're a Michigan or Ohio state team who lose in one of the oldest rivalries uh, in, in the sport, and then you have a, a Tennessee team who blew their chance against Georgia on national television. Mm-hmm. Sorry, fellas. Good. You know, you know, have, have fun yeah. and uh, ha- have fun at the Gator bowl. Like that's, that's kind of what it's going to come down to. And I think that's good for the game. And I think it's also a precursor for why we need to see 12 or, or, or an expansion of some sort, because I think it's really going to allow us to, 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 to line up all these hypotheticals that you're laying out, George, you know, can, can Michigan who will probably be the second team taken from the big, big 10 if that was the case this year go and go and knock out some of these other teams from the conferences who are the who are the second heavyweights and we're going to get to see that as college football fans that's good for us you know the the curious thing trevor and hack i wonder what they think about in the in that closed door room conference strength because if that's the case tennessee's got a hell of an argument uh consistency ohio state and michigan can argue off of that and their conference by and large, has been really competitive. Their their division, fuck, their fucking, division. Fuck the yeah, West. that's a good point. But their division. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good. Nebraska's still alive in the West right now, for God's sakes. Right. Uh, or path. TCU could get up there and be like, "Look, we don't live in Jurassic Park. We ain't been doing it year in year out like you guys have in the Midwest. But our path can't be touched. Like it, it's going to be fascinating. And Hack is right." They depends on where they shift to. What do they shift to? Um, you know, and what they what they make. What what would you think would be the defining factor, Trevor? Golly, I, again, I, I think it's just the lens that you look through, right? I mean, we could all make an argument for you know this, this way, that way, so on and so forth. I, I will say this, uh, just because you mentioned TCU. TCU to me this year is like the Cincinnati of last year. And I know it's a power five conference, but the big 12 is significantly down. I mean, you don't have your mainstays, Oklahoma Oklahoma state, you know, they've obviously fell way off. They're playing good at the beginning of the year. They fell way off. Oklahoma, obviously just playing horrible football right now. Um, They don't have that level of, of, of of nasty in their conference this year and it's a new coach that comes from a group of five school they just have that aroma to me but like we mentioned at the beginning of the show undefeated is undefeated they've knocked off some big logos 
But um, uh, to, to answer your question, it really just depends on what lens you look through, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, they got more lenses to look through next Tuesday, but two teams they will not question, the White Walkers down in Georgia or the Ohio State Buckeyes. Both these teams, number one and number two, had big blowout wins today, fellas. Georgia, 45-19 against the Mississippi State team that's been known to kind of throw a little bit of a curveball. They had no problem tonight with them. And Ohio State, welcome the Hoosiers. Beat them up 56-14. These two have been really consistent. Throw Michigan in there, too. Georgia did take a big test already. Ohio State's got its test coming. Are there any notable weaknesses? And I ask you guys that because that's probably what it's going to start to come down to. I saw this out of Georgia, really out of both teams. And, Hack, you you said this in our, in our group text earlier about C.J. Stroud. He's got to pull it a little bit tonight. He's got to pull the ball. He's going to have to be a some type of a contributor running the football, and he did. You know who else we saw do that today? Stetson Bennett. Big touchdown run down there in the red zone. He pulled a couple other ones. It's fascinating watching Todd Munkin say, you know what? I got a guy that could do a little bit of that. And with all the behemoths Georgia has, and defenses just willingly turn their back because they're covering these guys, Bowers and all these mythical tight ends. Now here comes Bennett burling down the field after you behind you. So both quarterbacks have not been threats, but they are starting to threaten defenses running the football. Do either of these teams have a notable weakness? Uh, Hack? Yeah, yeah I, I'll, I'll start first. I think Georgia, and this goes back to my previous comments um, about Georgia being the next dynasty. I think Georgia has firmly fixated themselves as a team and a program that is kind of like that middle ground between college and the NFL right now that Alabama was sitting at. And now Alabama has kind of stepped back from, right? Like they're they're when they're playing their best, I don't think that there's a team in the country that can keep up with them. Now it's the challenge of getting a bunch of college kids to consistently do that and to prepare dealing with all the variables classroom. And, and, you know, my girlfriend broke up all the other bullshit that comes along with being a college student, I think is the only thing that can really slow down Georgia at this point in time with Ohio state. I think the biggest thing is, and it's a shame because they answered some of the bells for me from a running game standpoint early in this game. But then Mayan Williams went down with an ankle injury where he got carted off. I don't know the status of that, 
but Travion Henderson didn't dress and they had their other stud running back go down in preseason this year with an ACL injury. So they're, they're down right now three in there. I, I think they have like, it might be listing a damn punter as a running back right now. So mm. that's why I think it's really important and really vital for this Ohio state team, especially heading into this Michigan game to have CJ Stroud show a willingness to get involved mm. in the run game. Cause they got to create it some somehow, some way, shape or form right now because they've lost a lot. And that's, Unfortunately, part of the game as well, right? Injuries. And I think that that's kind of the only glaring weakness um, that I can show from this Ohio State team. I think their defense is playing really good. They're getting better and better each week. Um, Obviously, they have some matchup issues with some players and some talent outside Marvin Harrison Jr. and a guy who we haven't seen. And I don't know if we are going to see him this year. And if we do, it might be even scarier as Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, who who has like four catches on the year against uh, Notre Dame, and he's been he's been MIA, whatever he's been nursing and getting right. So, if they can add that to the loop, you know this Ohio State team's really really explosive. But I think that that's a big thing to watch out for um, with them up in Columbus. That's a big point there. Trevor Hack gave us about Ohio State's rushing. They are nicked up. I'm looking at the the, the breakdowns now. Even with all of that, they average eight yards a carry tonight. They dedicated 43 rushes at Indiana and they got 340 yards on the ground, but now it is by committee and you could kind of do that against Indiana, but you're going to have to find a couple bell cows going forward. Trevor, your impressions of Georgia and the Buckeyes. um, Yes, today, but also going forward, being able to close out their cases. Yeah, I I think Hack made a great point about Georgia. I mean, Stetson Bennett threw a couple uh, interceptions tonight, and it still wasn't even a question. You know, you look at any other team that is um, that's turning the ball over, like Georgia did tonight, and it's it's a close game, if nothing else. Uh, but they still ran away ran away with this one in in a game that could be marked as you know a, a trap game. Um, I want to give a shout out to Stetson Bennett. Uh, obviously historical career, the way that he kind of built his way up to be the starting quarterback there. But, you know, last year, um, beginning of the year, and maybe even at this time, all of us were talking on this show about Stetson Bennett. It's like, man, throw Stetson in there, throw J, uh, JT Daniels in there. It doesn't matter. It's all about the defense, blah, 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 blah. That young man has stepped up mm-hmm. and he's become a leader of that football team. And even though they they had all those guys leave, he is still the guy stepping up and said, hey, I'm here. I'm going to make plays. I'm not going to maybe be in, in New York for the Heisman Trophy, but but I am the leader of this football team. And so I just think the way that he's carried himself and positioned himself as a leader on that team is, is the reason that they are continuing to be as good as they are. Um, conversely, with Ohio State, I think the only weakness that they have is if they get in their own way. Um, Hack mentioned it. If they're playing their best football on offense, they can score as many points as they possibly want to, and that's because of C.J. Stroud. And and uh, I mean, you just look at kind of their stat line throughout the season. Man, they're just powerful. Uh, outside of the Northwestern game, they're just powerful on offense. And um, and that's despite not having, like you mentioned, a, a running game and a running attack um, that that is that that's, has some depth. They're, it's it's impressive to watch, but these two teams, in my opinion, are head and shoulders above anybody else in the country. And um, 
I know we talk about some of these teams, Tennessee, so on and so forth, uh, that you can make an argument or that tier two, but these guys are tier t- tier one and they're up there by themselves and have been since day one. I agree. They came out of the gates like that. They really ended the season like that. When you watch how the Buckeyes did against the Utah Utes in the Pro, in the Pro Bowl, in, in the Rose, Rose Bowl, Bowl yeah. without their two top weapons who set out for the NFL draft, and they just have so much firepower. And Christian's right. Henderson went down. The other number two goes down. Number three was out preseason. And they just keep looking around the locker room. You're up. And they just got weapons on weapons on weapons that they can just reload and keep sending at you. Ohio State and Georgia take care of business tonight. Again, Georgia, 45-19. Ohio State beats Indiana, 56-14. They continue to show that offensive prowess. Now, if we can switch over here to two teams that have shown a real ruggedness. Uh, LSU, coming off their big win last weekend, travels up here to Arkansas. Really a rock fight. 13-10. They get it done. And Michigan, we've been praising that offensive line and that style of play all season. We had a chance to look at it tonight. Inclement weather at Nebraska. Wind, sleet, a little bit of snow coming they must have just been like, look, it's perfect conditions for everything we do. They've had chains on their tires all season long. Michigan gets it done 34-3 against Nebraska. LSU 13-10 against Arkansas. LSU, we talked about their route. Hack is right. We, we are going to angle a little bit more toward the tournament. LSU could make some noise and get to the championship, and then we'll have to see what happens and how do they – reconcile all that Michigan that's an all-weather team it's a four it's an all-wheel drive four by four all-weather team and they showed it which which performance was more impressive and which team do you like their prospects more going forward as they both seem to kind of start getting into gear uh Trev will go with you Hack go Trev yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I think Michigan is um, is the better team out of these two at this point. I know they played Nebraska. <clears throat> Nebraska struggled. You know, Hack, you mentioned Nebraska is still alive in the West, which isn't saying much. But I think, you know, what I mentioned, <laughs> my crazy. Time, but Blake Corum, <laughs> um, Blake Corum is fantastic. I just think that they have that been there before factor as well. Now, I don't want to take anything away from LSU because the rebound that they've had um, after what we were saying about them, you know, week one, week two, week three, and what Brian Kelly has done down there is fantastic. Uh, I don't think this game should have been a 13-10 game against Arkansas. I think Arkansas has um, sure got a couple weapons, but they're, it's, it, it should have been a lot more points than this. That being said, you get out, you get a win. And I got to shout one guy out, Harold Perkins Jr., the Houston boy. The defensive end, little Von Miller. Four sacks in this ballgame as a freshman. He made some money tonight. That is is called wreaking havoc. And I'll shout out another Houston boy, um, Josh Williams, running back, 122 yards rushing. Um, Houston went – they said, hey, we don't want to stay in the state of Texas. We're going to go across the border to LSU – and we're gonna we're gonna make our name for ourselves uh, over here. Both of those Houston guys had big days today. That was the reason for the win. But uh, to answer your question, I think Michigan head to head between these two, 
is the more impressive team at this point. Hey, Hack, I want you, yeah. I want to get your impressions um, right off of what Trevor just gave us. But initially, is Ohio State closer to Georgia or is Michigan closer to Ohio State? Meaning, how what's the gap between Michigan and the top two teams? Wow. Or is it Georgia with yeah. those two both on I don't, their heels? No, I don't. That's a great question. I, 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 it's tough. I don't think my only qualm with Michigan is that JJ McCarthy hasn't had to be Very. the guy. He hasn't right. had to be the guy. He hasn't had to take a game on his shoulders and go out and win it. And I don't know if Michigan's tooled outside. They got they got uh, the the uh, David Bell kid outside of who I think is a really good receiver. Gonna gonna be a gonna be a problem. But like outside of him. They have some other guys who who have physical tools, have physical traits, big recruits, all these things, but they haven't been asked to perform with the big light shining on them. Um, and well, I don't let me know ask what you this has Stetson Bennett been? Yes, asked? he did it. He did, it. and that's my point. Is it, whether it's this, he's done it. He's won the big game. Oh, okay. Stetson's done it. He's been there, okay. done that, won the big game. Whether he's had to do it this year or not, I think he shouldered a bigger load this year than he did last year because of all agree. the shit we were talking about him. And he's done it week in, week out, like you were saying, George, using his legs. He's adding a bunch of different dynamics to it, and they're doing it in different ways. But um, McCarthy is untested, is to your point. He's just untested, man, and it's nothing against the kid. I think he's talented as hell. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, but insulated though, it, it's just he's he's been protected. He's he's been gifted with a phenomenal offensive line that has a, a, a and two great backs behind him. It's just really hard for me to put my chips in a basket with a team that has a quarterback at the most important position in the sport who hasn't been tested in crunch time. I don't know how he's going to react, you know, down 10 and having to having to climb back without being able to go around and turn turn around, hand it off. Um, it's just that's that's my biggest thing with Michigan. Now, do I think Michigan from a from a roster standpoint, I, I, Michigan's right there and they've proved that they've proved that they've built an identity. They've done it a different way. I think Michigan's more similar to Georgia from a mentality standpoint in terms mm -hmm. of great defense, physical offensive line play. Um, but I, I, it's just Ohio State's so different with the type of players that they have, and the and and the like you said, they're they're running on fucking jet fuel. Um, yeah. You know, some of these other bull boys are getting it done with diesel, and they're getting it done nasty, and they can do it that Mules. way. But yeah, right. you know, they're, they're getting it done. But um, I do think that Ohio State and Georgia are kind of like you said. I think you made a great point. They're kind of in a in a in a in a place of their own from a roster standpoint, um, and that's hard to say because Michigan got Ohio State last year, but. I think they've made some improvements this offseason and it's shown this year. So um here's know, how I feel. Is. Here's how I feel about that question. When when I just kind of visualize the, the Big Ten, if Ohio State beats Michigan, wins the Big Ten, I think Ohio State has a real shot to win the national championship, meaning they could go and beat Georgia. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they're going to, I'm saying they could. Mm -hmm. If Michigan somehow beats Ohio State and wins the Big Ten, I I don't feel confident that they're going to go and win the national title or even could. It's a great um, point. I think that's that's the answer to that question from my standpoint is not saying Michigan can't beat Ohio State. I just have a lot more confidence in Ohio State going in and hoisting a trophy at the end of the year than I do Michigan. So to me – I love the take 
but styles make fights. And I think the kryptonite to Ohio State's cape right now would be a brutal inside the guards, inside the tackles, time of possession, choke holding, really good defensive team. That's Georgia and Michigan. Georgia's a little bit more of it than what Michigan is. So they're going to get tested. They're going to get everything they can possibly handle. You're saying if they can get through Michigan, it'll be they'll have a similar style of animal when they see Georgia. That animal will just be a little bigger, badder, better. Yeah. But you I do I think you make a great point. But Georgia, Michigan is different this year to me. In that matchup, should they see each other again? To me, it's a little bit different. I think Michigan, I mean, I say that, and McCarthy was 10 out of 20 today for 148 yards. But if you watch that game, sleet, snow, hail. But in a in a neutral, clean site, when they get out here to L.A. or wherever that game's going to get played, I think Michigan's a little bit different. First of all, the confidence and the recognition, we've already been in this thing. We've already seen these guys. And it pretty much was a solid battle. We just couldn't punch it in when we got in the red zone last year. But that would be that's a that's a fascinating thing. So on the spectrum, just to just to get it crystal clear one more time from you, Trevor, Georgia, Michigan. You think Ohio State's closer on this end, or Ohio State's closer to Georgia? I think Ohio State's closer to Georgia than they are to Michigan. Interesting. Well, there it is. Ohio State uh, also, uh, they have, what, two more games, and then we have the big showdown. Michigan took care of their business. LSU took care of their business. The other big team that's still a factor, fellas, is Tennessee, and we, we've kind of, like, slid over to calling them the bridesmaid because, basically, there will be a crowned champ out of the SEC. It will not be Tennessee based on that matchup with Georgia and Georgia being on their side. They took care of business tonight, 66-24. Nice little flex down there against Missouri. Uh, they real big blowout win. Put up 724 yards, just to remind people who they are. 724 yards, 33 first downs, and still managed to rush for 264 yards. Uh, so Tennessee took care of a Missouri team that actually took Georgia down to the wire. And then the Roman Army, Alabama, embattled, beaten up, uh, probably psychologically outside themselves, because normally this is their time of year to be closing out cases. They got everything they could handle from Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, but they beat him anyway, 30-24. to 24. Which was the more – I don't want to compare games or, or, or teams, but as you play it forward, I'm going to switch this from a playoff – discussion to a Heisman discussion. Why don't we hear more about Bryce Young if people are really watching the football games? I just throw it up to either one of you two and then we'll switch the hooker. It, it, it's um, this is a downfall, I think, of the fan voting and the voting process for the Heisman trophy. It's all based upon wins and losses and and media and so on and so forth. Bryce Young, is playing every bit as good as he did last year and better. He is more valuable to that team this year Correct. than he was yeah. last year. When let me to the trophy. Go ahead. Let me Pat. jump in there with that, and then I'll let you finish. Yeah. I think if you take Bryce Young off the football field, 
This team loses to Texas. They lose to Texas A&M. Mm. And they – well, no, actually, I, I take that back. They won with their backup against Texas A&M. But I think they lose barely. to Texas. Barely. barely. But I think they lose to Texas, and they definitely damn sure lose this game tonight. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a four-loss Alabama team without Bryce Young. I think and he's you're talking ultimate last MVP. Year he had two first-round wide receivers rolling with him, and he still basically led them. He led them last year. He's carrying them this year. And yep. we got to say it again for the people at home. <clears throat> you cannot remember a quarterback in the Saban era that was not only their best player, they've had great leaders, but that leader has always been surrounded by horses and, and he, he's their best player on both their, sides of the football. Both sides he's the, the best. Football. He's the best football player on their team. That's a great point. Is, uh, he, the best, foot, is, is he the best football player in the country still? Yeah, like take resumes away, just watching them get first downs and touchdowns. It's Bryce, and then to me, it's Caleb. But there are some great stories and some great runs going up and down, you know, just all across yeah. America. Chapel Hill's got a youngster up and running. Uh, I mean, I think you can make the other <laughs> – I think you can make the case for Hendon Hooker in terms of value to the team, value to what he's been doing, the system – Maybe he might be a little bit more of a product of the system than Bryce Young. I don't know if he'll travel because he already we've already seen that with him at Virginia Tech. But mm-hmm. um, I, I don't I don't think there's a better football player in the country. All right, I got I have I have a three part question for you guys. Here we go. Of, of our group of quarterbacks that we're talking about this year, who's going to New York? Who should go to New York? And then who's who's the most – I'll ask it this way. Who's going to play the longest in the NFL? Who's going to – who's the top draft pick? Who's going to play the longest in the NFL? Which is three very different questions. Mm-hmm. Maybe very different let's, answers. Let's, so let's start the with the first one. Of, of the group of quarterbacks this year, and I, I, we know Blake Corum's probably going to New York, what, what quarterbacks are going to New York this year? CJ. And, and Hooker. And Hooker. But Young should uh, Bryce should be with the with them, and the reason he's not going is because of the the, the losses, correct? Well, the ex I think it's expectation. I don't even think yeah. it's the losses. He, he was it's, expecting. I think to it's come a combination in. of both. I think it's yeah. a combination of both. I think it's a. I think if you're talking about an undefeated Alabama team, there's no. It's his. Yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's his, but there's no like. Like Bryce Young ain't even on the fucking Twitter tickers. Like he's on every single one of them. If it's an undefeated, undefeated Alabama team. So, so you guys are saying that Caleb Williams or DTR has no shot to go to New York, even I if they end up winning the conference and go to the. I think Caleb's got a couple more big games left. Yeah, and and uh, DTR's got SC. Remember, a lot of times you can get to New York. On a big November game. That's how Carson Palmer got there. RG3, I don't know when the Oklahoma game was. But he, yeah, his body of work was nice. But you need a nice prime time stage. And you can bounce. You can get yourself to New York. Stroud, Hooker, I agree with Hack. What did you say? So so NFL now. Oh. Let's take those five guys. You got got Hinton Hooker, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, um, who am I missing? Um, Caleb, well, did you say Caleb? You said Caleb. Caleb, Hinden, DTR, Bryce, and CJ. Who 
rank those if, if they were all coming out at the same time, rank those number one through five off the board NFL draft. Uh, you said Caleb longest will, career to start. Caleb will be the the only one staying. For longest career. <laughs> Caleb's back next conversation. year. But if you put them all in the same draft class, because Caleb didn't go till the following year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just throw Caleb in this draft class. I think it's easy. I think it's Caleb. Mm-hmm. Playing up there in the NFL, I think Caleb is one. Bryce is two A. Stroud is two B. Hooker is going to be a nice player, getting a nice system. And then uh, I do think DTR is going to get in, but I don't know if he's going to have like a frontline impact. I think I think Bo be... Nix, I think Bo Nix has a better chance from a thrower standpoint than DTR. Than DTR. Right yeah. Oh, interesting. But I what do you think that. about those first three? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just so hard. I think when you're talking the NFL and projections, a lot of it's dependent on the system, right? A lot of it's dependent on the situation. I mean, we've seen really I mean, think about David Carr coming in. Like, what yeah. was he coming into the draft? I know that's going way back. And then he gets down there to the Houston Texans, brand new team. They're pulling guys from motherfucking everyone else's practice squad, basically, to put a roster together. And the dude gets ruined because he just got the shit kicked out of him, right? So a lot of it is just system. Andrew Luck's another one, George. That's one near and dear. Like, yeah, I, I mean, he he got beat up. And it's just a shame. So I think it's a that's a really hard conversation. I think it's a really different, unique conversation and that's why a lot of people who are making those decisions get paid the big bucks but to that point somebody might wind up at brian dable i mean and they're yeah. rolling and i i mean all love to daniel jones but it's not out of the question mm-hmm. somebody's going to wind up in detroit yeah but they could also be under new leadership you don't know what that's going to look like somebody's going to go to oakland with josh mcdaniels hopefully he's still running the show the texans it's not out of the mm-hmm. question to think they're going to be under new leadership. Somebody's going there. Situations dictate careers almost as much as your performance. Like, just imagine if Aaron Rodgers got drafted to the – was the Jacksonville Jaguars a team when he got drafted? Yeah, I think so. Just if, if Aaron Rodgers the Detroit Lion and Brady went to the Bengals, would they still really be Brady and Rodgers? It's just it's a great hard, argument. It's hard to say. Yeah. Belichick is going to wind up getting a guy in a year or two. Not no no dispersions about uh the, the two young guys Matt, he's got. Yeah. But you're telling me if one of these five are there on the board when the Patriots are looking up, you don't think he's gonna be like, I'll take it. Like them old people punching the uh what's that mean? The yeah, old the... people punching the slots. He's gonna try yeah. and get one of those guys. So um, who plays the longest? I think that's the order. Who do you think plays the longest, Hack? And that's where I said that I, I won't even get in that conversation because it's it's going to be so dependent. Like it's going to be so dependent on on fit. Um, yeah, I mean even even just physical stature. You know, you know how I mean we we know how the, how physical that game is up there, right? You know, injuries are a bitch. Um, it's, what do you think about tough. Bryce Young? Stay in that physical stature deal. Yeah, He is going to be so questioned. Right now we're celebrating because he's in the most vicious league in, in the sport. As soon as he crosses across that draft stage, then they'll forget all about that and they're like, oh, yeah. no. 
A hundred. He could literally weigh at the combine one ninety, and that's after eating and lifting for two months straight. That's the hard part, man. Is like you never know what you're gonna get with that. You never know how it's gonna work out. You never know how it's gonna pan out, right? Like he might be the most durable son of a bitch on the planet, and he might play twenty years. Right. He could also be a, a box of glass. And the first six hits he takes, it's like, damn, dude, this kid has, you know, you look up and in the first four years of his career, he's played like three seasons, you know? So it's like, that's, it's just the variable of the game. It's a different thing in the game. But I think that I don't like to look at that because I like to give players the benefit of the doubt because it is something that's completely out of their control. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the older I've gotten, the more I've watched, the more I've listened, the more I've kind of been in tune with it. I think it does play a factor in it. And you have to be cognizant, especially when you're a GM making a decision like that, you have to be cognizant of the physical stature. Trevor, does he have a comp? I mean, we'll go back to the college football. We will go. We got a couple more games to cover, but does Bryce young have a comp? Not everybody does. I I don't know. Who in the league plays like him right now? I don't know if he. I don't know if he has a a comp. He's he Pat throws. Mahomes. He's Pat Mahomes in a in a in terms of like off platform, funky, different stuff in like Kyler Murray's body. Yeah, I would say Tyrod Taylor, which people be like, how are you gonna play him? Not saying yeah. they're the same level, but they're both thinner, smaller, great athlete. Hmm. Uh. Kyler really Murray's an alien to me. Kyler Murray's an alien. Yeah. I mean, dude, like, I, I bet you you have to go back back to find something for him. Yep. Like a real comp for him. Like, you got to go throw back. Like a Jake Plummer. Let me ask this. Yeah. Like, I, crazy I, as you guys right are talking, down. I'm sitting here thinking, last year at this time, week 11, probably around this time, not that Bryce Young wasn't the Heisman front runner, but we weren't ready to just, like, give it to him and walk away. We were still talking about, hey – Send George's whole defense there, yeah. you know, George's defense. So this year, I I can't I can't pick out a Heisman front runner either. Do you guys have a Heisman front runner? Or are you gonna are you picking somebody already saying, hey, if they if they finish out this regular season in their conference title game or what have you, that they're gonna hoist the trophy? I, I don't think there's somebody that separated themselves at this point. No, that's why I think. One of these big performances. If Caleb does something outrageous, national TV against UCLA, and we see a big comeback, or he does like, you know, running back going down and give me the ball again, or something like that, it's just like captivating. Like yeah. it could be stolen. You could I mean, you like could jump in there. The the horse that's leading is not so far out ahead of you that you couldn't run it down. If we're gonna sit there and say who's had that moment so far, I think it's Hendon Hooker against Bama, yep. right? Yeah, like if, I think it's if Tennessee Hooker, beats yeah. Georgia, Hinton Hooker by far. It's done. Is, yeah, it's done. It's done. Yeah, he could have closed and, it out, and he struggled a little bit against Georgia, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, and that's where it's kind of like people people probably shied away from it. Yep. Speaking of shy away, will the Aggies do any shying away from Jimbo Fisher? A tough one tonight. Did they wind up losing? They were losing. We went on air. They lost. Is it, they lost. They Trevor, Trevor needs to go hide both those helmets back here behind his head right now. Trevor, Reed. I'm just going to give it to you. Just your thoughts. What's more likely, 
A&M makes a change when we start this next season. Oklahoma makes a change when we start next season. Both or neither? Uh, Oklahoma won't. It's year one. Not that there's any excuse, but I like I, I like Brent Venables. I like what he's bringing culturally. Um, there was a lot of, of change that went on this offseason in Norman. A lot of roster positions, guys leaving with Lincoln, so on and so forth. I think they'll be okay in the long run. Um, and they they'll still go to a bowl game, won't be a good bowl game. I mean, they're not they're not in yet. We you know, let's not, I guess, count our chickens before they hatch, but I think they'll go to a bowl game, they'll they'll kind of forget about this year and work on next year. AM officially eliminated from, from postseason play as of today. They are three and seven. And it is year five of the Jimbo Fisher regime. I mean, what do you say? It's, are they in the middle of – is this still hanging on the cliff anymore or after tonight? It's it, Like, is it honestly a shot that he – they say, look, let's load up, get the quarterback situation ironed out, got another big recruiting class and move – like, where is it right now? I think the they finished the season four and eight. I think they beat UMass. I don't think it's going to be like a pretty game next week. But then they lose to LSU. It'll be an 8-4 season. And there four will and be – there will be Aggies coming for his head just because that's unacceptable with how much he's being paid and the recruiting classes, and so on and so forth. Me personally, I think that, man, you give him a little bit more time. They've got some tools there. Some of those young cats are really good players, uh, right. but you've got to point the finger at, at coaching um, to fall off this hard and not be able to beat a three and six Auburn team that just got their head coach fired, so on and so forth. The big question mark is 86 million or whatever it is. Can can the Aggie faithful come up with that money? If it wasn't that big, if this was our our co our co-host <laughs> Kevin Yeah, that's generational if, wealth off a buyout. His grandkids grand are straight. What is on the table? I think he's gone. What do you guys think? 86. I'm going to give it to you, Hack. Hack, you're the athletic director of Texas A&M. The president says, we move as you move. What do you do? Calling in all my donors. I'm saying, hey, boys, we got to start some GoFundMes. We got to figure out what we got to do. I don't care how we got to do this. If y'all want to break, we'll break. Like I've said this before. I think it's because at the end of the day, whichever way they go, they're going to piss a, a, a big portion of their fan base off, right? They keep Jimbo, a big portion is going to be pissed off. The other big portion is going to be like, all right, cool, like, great, you know, vice versa. Um, I think it's just you got to if, – if I'm the AD, I'm getting the biggest players. There's going to be so many damn private jets landed in that son of a bitch, and we're, we're sitting down at, a, at an Applebee's hashing this out with figuring out how we're <laughs> going to get this done. I'm going to be like, listen, guys, how, how like which direction is our program going? What's the best feel for it? You know, it, and a That's lot of – honestly, the other one, I would pull in guys like Trevor. I'd pull in Letterman. I'd say Letterman because at the end of the day, the biggest thing, dude, and I think that's what I love about college football is the programs that are ran right have uh, a lot of great respect from their lettermen because those yeah. guys bled they on that it. field. They cried yeah. on that field. They sweat on that field. Right. And I think that at the end of the day, all the other fans not to take anything away from them. We love you for your support. Yada, yada, yada. But, but the Different standards, investment, 
Right. It's a completely different investment. Right. And um, I think that's another group that should definitely be called upon in this decision um, sooner rather than later. Well, we'll find out how that see that decision unfolds. A uh, lot of drama down there in College Station, Texas. A lot of drama in college football. Christian Hackenberg, Trevor Knight, George Whitfield, college football after dark. We'll see you. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.